Are you doing what you were created to do? It's the title of the message this week. If I was going to title it, this is what I titled it. Are you doing what you were created to do? Last week, I had a tough week up here. I preached the week before, went really well for y'all, for, for, for your all's information. Um, I've been doing this for about three and a half years, almost four years now. And, and I'm a nervous wreck when I first get up here and I talk real fast. When I first get started, then I'll settle down and preach here a little bit. But some weeks I have a hard time getting settled down. And the week before last went really smooth. And I don't know if you all thought it was any good or not, but I thought it was great. And I, it just, not, not that what I said was great, but, but it just flowed out of me that week. And, and it went well, and it felt good as I was doing it. That's what I mean by I thought it was great. So last week I came up here, and I had a really tough week. I had to press through it, and, and it just felt terrible coming out. The content, I listened to it later, and the content was good, but my delivery could have been better. My preparation maybe could have been a little bit better. I had, had a few too many scriptures. This week I'm preaching with one verse. So you all might get out a little early. Probably not, but, but, but it could happen. It could happen. So, so when I have those weeks like that, any of y'all know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I wasn't a public speaker when I came to this job, but I'm still not a public speaker, but I'm just stepping out in, on faith in what God's called me to do. So when I have a week like that, what I do is I really press in. Yes. Now we're working? There it is. So when I have a week like that, I really press in and I try to get better. Can you turn me down back here now because I'm really loud? I have a week like that. When I have a week like that, I press in and I try to do better the next week because I want to be, I want to do the best of my ability for God and, and for you all. I want to see souls saved. We've seen a multitude of souls saved. I don't even know how, how many to tell you since I've been here at this church. Can you turn me down a little bit more back here, brother? That's way too much for me, at least in the monitors. Am I loud out there? Yeah. I'm loud everywhere. Turn me down on the, on the slide, Anthony. Turn me down a little bit. So, so I was at work this week in, in the parking lot of Ford Motor Company where I work at, and, and, I, and I was praying to God, and I was just looking for something. I wanted to be closer to him. I wanted, to, I wanted a message, but I want to get closer to God, and I want to seek and push. Can I go down a little bit more? A little bit more. I can hear myself, I can hear myself reverberating back here, and it, it'll, it'll mess with me today. I won't go with Do what's that? I had him turn you up. Okay. So. Okay. A little bit more down, maybe. Am I still loud out there? We'll get this right in a minute. Still loud out there? Brother Lloyd says I'm still loud. He's old. Turn down a little bit. <laughs> so I was in the parking lot at Ford and I was praying and I was seeking God out. And I didn't want, I, I started feeling bad for a minute there because I didn't want to just be seeking God because I was looking to get something from God. I didn't want to seek God just so that I could do better at the job he sent me to do, right? So I started feeling almost a little bit guilty over it. So I felt bad, and I said, God, I started praying to him, and I said, God, I want to do good at what you've sent me to do, at what you've called me out to do. I want to do good at that thing. But that's not the only reason I'm pressing to you. I love you also, God. I mean, I love you. You know my heart. You know I love you. So, so I'm seeking you because I love you and because I want to do the job that you give me to do well. And he spoke to me back, and, and, and it was shocking. And it was like he, he just cut in on me. It wasn't when I was being quiet and trying to hear from him. He just cut in on me. Ever have, ever, ever have God just cut in on you? Yeah. So he said, you are good at what I have you do. And it's because of the way you do it. Because we, we think our corks and our, and our messed up personalities or whatever they are sometimes, we think that disqualifies us from things. But he let me know that it's because of the way that I do it that he has me do it. Because I can speak to some people that other people can't speak to. Yeah. I can minister to some people that other people can't speak to. I, I can reach people that other people can't reach because of the, of the courts and things that I have. Because I'm not a great public speaker. Because I'm not all polished up like some preachers are. You all will come listen to me. <laughs> right? You might not go listen to somebody who's more polished. And that's why he picked me to have me do it. And I'm not saying this to be about me today. This is about all of us. Mm -hmm. He has all of us do things because he chose you to do that thing because he made you for that reason. Mm -hmm. What you were created to do. This is what you were created to do. So are you doing what you were created to do today? 
of the way he created me, though, to be in this place at this time for these people. Whoever sits in this church, whoever calls me their pastor and calls this their church, right? The church is not the pile of sticks and the bricks around us. It's us. We don't go to the church. We bring the church. So he has me here for this time for you all to feed you, to feed his sheep. And you all are here for a purpose also. I'm here to feed you, but you all have jobs to do. If you call this your church, you have a job to do. <clears throat> Does that make me perfect? Not by any stretch of the imagination. If you don't believe me, ask my wife. She'll tell you. Yeah. Wait till the church. She'll tell you all about it. Not by any stretch of the imagination. If God made us perfect, we'd take credit for everything we did. Yeah. We're big-headed like that, right? Mm -hmm. Egotistical. You should have known me before I was saved. It was terrible. Amen. Hey, you stop. <laughs> Carrie knew me before I was saved. I invited her to church about six months ago when she showed up today. So, so in, in Exodus 23, God said, if you'll do all, he told Israel, if you'll do all, I'm not there today, but I'm just going to cover this. If you'll do all the commands that I require of you, all the commands that I tell you, I'll put your, all, your enemies, I'll make them my enemies, right? And I'll drive them out of every city and every nation that I've given them to you. But I'm not going to do it all at one time. You ever think about that? He didn't do it all at one time. He didn't drive out all the cities at one time. He drove out this one and let them move in. He said, because wild animals will take over this area and you won't be able to possess it later when you're ready to. They had to grow into being able to take over the, the places that God's promised for them. We have to sometimes grow in to the things that God calls us into, to the things that God promises, right? Israel had to grow into those things. They had to grow into God's plan. You see, he sees the whole picture. He sees the whole thing. He knows the end from the beginning. Right? Amen. People get mad at God a lot of times, but we're looking through this. It, I, I tell people this all the time. It's like looking through a knothole <laughs> in a privacy fence. You can see this little cone looking out there, and you're trying to draw a conclusion of what the whole thing looks like. And some of us are mad at God about what, what we're seeing in that little cone. We can't tell what's going on over here, or maybe even right here beside us. Yeah. We have no idea, but God sees the whole picture. We're trying to understand the whole thing, but he does understand the whole thing. He gets the whole picture. He knows the beginning from the end, and he will do what he says he's going to do. Yeah. Are you following me? Mm -hmm. He knows and understands everything. He's smarter than us, Brent. Who would have thought? God will do what he says he's going to do, though. So, so what are we created to do? What do you say? Well, I'm saved, Pastor. That's what he wanted me to do, right? He wanted me to be in a relationship with him, right? He wanted me to, to, to live right. Mm -hmm. He wants me to be a good person. You have no idea how many people out here say they're a good person so they think they're on their way to heaven. If you think you're going to heaven by any means besides coming through the blood of Jesus Christ, you're mistaken. Amen. You have to come through the blood of Jesus Christ. You have to ask God for forgiveness to come through that blood to be on your way to heaven. So, so is that what we're called to do? Is just be good people? Well, see, I'm ready for heaven, but what about those who aren't ready for heaven? What about our families? You're ready for heaven. But what about the other ones? What about the other ones sitting outside the church? Maybe even sitting in the church. What about our families? We were created to be like Jesus. Right? Yeah. To be like Jesus. To mimic his actions. We need to be preaching. We need to be praying for them. Preaching to the people outside of here. You get what I'm saying? We need to be talking to them about Jesus. Filling in. Not beating them over the head with your Bible. Don't just run them away. If you're beating them over the head, you won't see many converts. No. Right? But if you're putting in your two cents that God gives you to put in at the time when he says do it. So we need to be preaching to him all the time. We need to be praying for him. That God will open those doors up for us to be able to do those things. We need to be living right in front of him. Constantly. <laughs> because I can know the Bible front to back. And if I'm being a hypocrite, no one's ever going to hear me. No one's ever going to listen to me. Are you following me? We need to be doing these things daily. You think Jesus just worked on Sunday and Wednesday? No, no. 
No, he did it daily. We need to be acting like him daily, working on people daily. My main text today is in Genesis, but it's in chapters 18 and 19, and I don't have time to read you the whole thing, so I'm going to tell you the story, all right? <clears throat> it's a story about Abraham and Lot. Everybody know this story? Maybe not everybody does, so I'm going to tell you anyway. God told Abraham to leave his nation, leave the nation of Israel, and he took Lot with him. He didn't tell him to take his nephew. Lot was his nephew. He didn't tell him to take his nephew with him, but Abraham did it anyway. And through a series of events, a long series of events, you'll have to read the thing if you want to hear the whole story, but I don't have time to go into Lot today. Through a series of events, Abraham and Lot separated. They parted ways, right? Because they had so much cattle and they had so many riches that the land wouldn't support the cattle and the goats and the sheep and all the things that they had. And their servants have become getting into arguments and things, uh, and so they just decided they were going to separate. You go live over here, and I'll go live over here. And, you, and, and Abraham let Lot decide which way he wanted to go, and Abraham was going to go the opposite way. Right? I'm on track so far? So, so God told Abraham... Oh, actually, I skipped the part there. So in, in chapter 18, 1, this was before Genesis chapter 18, but in chapter 18, 1, this is great, isn't it? Look, I'm telling you the story right here. All this that I'm going to tell you today is this far into the Bible. And so much has already happened before this. We've already had Noah in the ark. We've already had God created the earth. This is a great thing to read. Yeah. All in the first book. That far into it, all this happened. So in, in chapter 18, angels came. It says three of them, or yeah, three of them came and promised Abraham a son, that, that Sarah was going to have a son, his wife. Mm-hmm. Sarah was 90 years old. Abraham was 100, so you can see how that would have been an issue, but he was promised from God. So God told Abraham on his way out the door when he was leaving, he told Abraham what he intended to do to Sodom. And he told Abraham what he was intended to do to Sodom so that Abraham, the Bible says, uh, that he told him so that Abraham could speak to his descendants, his children, and let them know what happens when you don't follow the promises or the, the, the rules and the regulations of God, that this is what happens here, the city. So he told him what was about to happen, what was about to go down. So in Genesis 18, 22 through 32, Lot, Lot begins to, or Abraham begins to intercede for, for the city of Sodom. Right? He says, now God, if there's 50 good people, if you go over there and you find 50 righteous people, will you, will you, will you still destroy the righteous with the unrighteous? I'm paraphrasing here. And he says, well, no, I won't destroy the righteous with the unrighteous. I'd save the city if there's 50 people over there. And he says, well, God, I'm just the dust of the earth now, and you're the almighty God. But what if you're lacking five? What if there's 45? Would you still destroy the city? He says, no, I won't, I won't destroy the city for that. So I'm, I'm paraphrasing because this is about 10 verses here, and it's really drawn out. But if there's 40, if there's 30, if there's 20, if there's 10, he gets all the way down to 10. And God says, no, if there's 10 righteous people over there, I'll, I'll save the city for that. So God leaves immediately when he says that. And the angels, and, and that was the last verse in chapter 18. In the first verse of chapter 19, chapter 19, 1 Genesis, the angels met Lot at the city gates. Now, when I was studying this out this time, I learned something that I had never known about this, about this verse in this verse right here before. If you were working in the city gates, you were a big kind of person. You, you uh, were a, p- a politician or someone of power because this is where they hung out and this is where they, they did their business at. So Lot was either a person of power or he hung out with people of power. Right, so when he came there, they came there, uh, and Lot engaged him immediately and asked him to come to his house. He invited them to come to his house, and they refused him first and said, "No, we're going to stay out the streets." Then he came back at them again and asked him to come again. So they decided, "Yeah, we'll go ahead." And they they went to his house, and and Lot made a feast, and the men of the city came around. It says all the men of the city that night came around, young and old, came around beating on the doors. They wanted to know these two men. There were two men that came there. 
right? They wanted to know them. The way the Bible's talking about here is like Adam knew Eve. Are you following? Yeah. yeah. They wanted to know him. They wanted to have sex with these with these two men that were strangers in the city. So Lot offered his daughters. He said, no, don't do this. They came under the safety of my roof. Lot knew they were angels. Mm -hmm. Don't do this to them. Take. I have two virgin daughters here. Take them and do with them what you whatever you want to do, but leave these men alone. Yeah. Can you imagine what that would take to do that, to push your daughters out the door? The, yeah. <laughs> the men of the no. And, and, and the men came at Lot and, and nearly broke the door down. And the angels stuck their hand out, grabbed Lot, pulled him in, and they blinded all the men around the house there. All the men that were around the door, they blinded them. So they, they became confused, and, and, and they wore themselves out trying to find the door again. Am I making sense so far? Yes. I'm paraphrasing, but this is what the Bible says about it. So, so they told Lot, do you have any family here? The angels, they, the angels said, do you have any family here, Lot? If you do, you better go tell them tonight. On this night, you better get them and get them out of here. You've got to leave this city right now because we can't burn this place down with you in here. You've got to go. Get your family and get them out of here. So they went and told their son-in-laws, and their son-in-laws thought it was a big joke. They thought Lot was joking with them. Kind of let you know how Lot was living before this time, right? Yeah? So in, in, 19, in chapter 19, verse 6, the angels took them by the hand. It says that the angels took Lot and his wife and his two daughters by the hand. So can you picture this? There's two angels with Lot and his wife has each one of their hands and then the other angel has his two daughters by each hand and leads them out of the city. Outside of the city. And when they get outside the city, it begins to rain fire down. It says, actually it doesn't say fire, it says burning sulfur. It says burning sulfur. Have you noticed that God sent two angels though? God already knew there wasn't going to be ten righteous men in the city. He's God. He knows the beginning from the you know the end from the beginning. He already knew there wasn't going to be ten righteous in there. He knew it was just Lot's family. He knew that's all they were going there to save. I believe he went there to give them a fair chance. He went there to give them give them one last chance, and it was because of Abraham's intercession. Because he was just going to burn the place down before. It was because of Abraham's intercession. This is a picture of us today. I, I told you all this story to tell you something. <laughs> We are the righteous of this world. Yes. It's us. Yeah. We're in Abraham's shoes. If you ask God to forgive you, you're the righteous of the world. Probably all that's holding God back from, from, from the wrath, God's wrath back from our families, mm -hmm. from our loved ones, from our co-workers, from the people you'll see at the restaurant you go eat at today. You being the righteous are probably all that's holding the wrath back from them. Do you get that? Mm -hmm. Abraham had that night. Mm -hmm. That night. We must make sure that we're living righteous. If we're all there is, we better make sure that we are living righteous and that we're doing the right thing. Lot's son-in-laws thought he was a joke. Today, people are doing whatever they want to do, just like they were doing then. Doing whatever they want to do, having a good time. I don't need church. I hear this so many times. I don't need church. They think salvation is just some kind of big joke. I got all the time in the world, especially you young people. Especially the young people think that. I got all the time in the world. They don't think they're ever going to die. I did a young man's funeral last year. I think he was 20 years old. Do you think he thought he was going to die when he left the house on that day? No. Dead, like that. Just like that. The truth is, we're all going to leave here. Whether you leave in the rapture or whether you leave in the grave, mm -hmm. everybody's going to do it. Yeah. Amen. We're all going to leave this world in one way or another. We better be making sure that we're living righteous lives set apart so that we can minister to our families. Yeah. No one's guaranteed tomorrow. You're not guaranteed to make it home after church today. <clears throat> the angels took Lot's family and let him out there because of Abraham's prayer. 
Because of his prayer, his intercession. You know what intercession is? It's when you're praying for someone else. Yes. We ask you in the announcements. We have been for weeks to pray for the pastor. Pray for people in the church. Pray for the leaders. Pray for our family. Sister Mary says that every time she's here, pray for your lost loved ones. Yes. This dying and hurting world. Pray for them. Absolutely. Intercede for them. Then live right in front of them. Yeah. Yes. Then preach to them when it's your time. You don't have to be a preacher to preach. You don't have to know the whole Bible to preach. You know what God's done for you. We're getting ready to start some classes, not this Wednesday, but next Wednesday about being missional. We're going to teach people what we believe and why we believe it. Brother Stephen's going to help me. My mom's going to help me. Sister Linda's going to help me. A few people are going to help teach. Some more mature Christians are going to help teach these things. Are you following me? What we believe and why we believe it. It's going to be Wednesday nights. And we're going to teach people how to minister to people to win souls for the kingdom of God. To snatch our loved ones and our co-workers yeah. out of the grasp of the enemy. Yes. Are you following me? It's critical. You need to be here, right? If you have if you have unsaved loved ones, you need to be here on Wednesday nights. If you have someone you work with that's unsaved, you need to be here on Wednesday nights. Are you following? This is to give. I'm not saying that we're anything great, but it's to give you the tools and the equipment that you need to see the people around your life change. Amen. Look how your life's changed since you came to God. If it's not better, why are you still sitting here? <laughs> Life with God is way better than it ever was when I lived in the world. Yeah. Are you following? Yes. You all know that. Yeah. They don't know that. We need the tools and the equipment that it takes to get out there and teach them that. To win them. We can argue with them. We can argue with them. This, this, it, it, I'm, I'm saying if you don't know anybody, you can argue with them, but you can do more damage than you do good. Yes, you will. Are you following? But when you have the right equipment and you know what scriptures to go to, We'll have this stuff for you. If you know what scriptures to go to and, you, and, and they're confronted with the truth, then they have to make a, they have to make a decision, an informed decision. This yes. is the truth. It's a fact. Believe it or not, you yes. will stand in front of God mm -hmm. on that day. It's going to happen. Everybody's going to be there. You will leave this world, whether it's by the rapture or by the grave. You are leaving. Yes. We're all leaving out of here. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. So everybody thinks the salvation is a big joke, though. But the angels took Lot's family by the hand. And let him out. Can you imagine how powerful that is? His prayer was so powerful mm -hmm. that God sent two angels down there and led his family out by the hand. Yeah. Didn't tell them how to get out. They took them by the hand and took them out. Let them out of there. Abraham's prayer saved his family. Wouldn't you agree? Yes. His prayer saved his family. If you go back and read it, you should go back and read it. It says God said he would go in there to do this right now. Yeah. And Abraham prayed and God saved his family. Heaven is real. And hell is real. And Jesus is coming. Yeah, yeah. This is a fact. Right. It is going to happen. If you're not, if you're not where you want to be at, you can be. Good news is, this isn't all doom and gloom. You can be there. The word says, if you draw nigh to me, God said, if you draw nigh to me, I'll draw nigh to me, draw nigh to you. It takes commitment, though. It's not just you come down to the altar and you and you ask God for forgiveness one time and you go back out and live however you want to live. That's not how it works, folks. It takes commitment. It takes it takes dedication. You have to seek God diligently. It takes discipline. And it takes a strong prayer life. A very strong prayer life. You get the most done when you're on your knees. You're the most powerful when you're on your knees praying to God. You can see souls saved. You can. If you're willing to do those things, give a commitment. Have a strong prayer life. Seek God diligently. Live it in front of Him. If you're willing to truly repent and change away from what you know is wrong and do what you know is right, and if you don't know it all, Nobody does. Get in here and read about it. Study about it. Listen to the Spirit. Be led by Him. You'll see souls saved. You will see souls saved. Mm -hmm. Right? You will. Yes. 
The Bible says the harvest is many, but the workers are few. Look how many people out there write for the picking. Yeah. Sister Tony, Stephan's wife, when I met her on the line at Ford, she was ready. She, would, she, she told me that she had walked up and down the aisles because she heard there was a pastor there. She walked up and down the aisles looking for me. Yeah. Yeah. You get that? She was ready to be harvested. Yeah. Yeah. Ready. Thank Somebody just has to be there. Yeah. Are you bold enough to speak to someone like that? You will see soul saved if you step out of that. She's not the only one. Brother Stephen was right. I mean, Brother Winston, his family were right there. He was ready to come to church. Mm. All I had to do was invite him. He was here the next time. They don't miss very often now. They're here all the time. Yeah. Him and his whole family. You get what I'm saying? <laughs> There's a lot of people out there that are just ready. The harvest is the harvest is white, it says in the Bible. They're ready, but the heart but the workers are few. Statistics say, I shared this with you last week, I think it was the week before. Statistics say that five percent of Christians lead someone to Christ in their lifetime. That's pathetic, wouldn't you? What do you say? Workers are few. He that endures to the end, the same shall be saved. So you're not just saved. You, you are made perfect when you come down here because your sins are all wiped away from you. But you're not, you're not going to be perfect the next day. The next day, you, you get what I'm saying. We still make mistakes. It's a walk that we have to walk down. We have to try our best and do our best at it. And we'll continue to get better and better and better. We're being perfected, right? He that endures to the end, the same shall be saved. You have to make it all the way out to the end of this thing. Like Lot's wife, we get caught up, though, looking back. This is my only scripture here today, and I didn't write it on my notes, so put it up here. I forget where we're doing that. Genesis 19, 26 says, but his wife looked back behind him, and she became a pillar of salt. Yeah. She became a pillar of salt because she got caught up looking back. The angel had her by the hand. Can you picture this? An angel had her by the hand, leading her out of the city to save her life from burning sulfur that was falling from the sky behind her. You all know where this word sulfur means? I tell you all the time. The Bible says the lake of fire burns with brimstone and fire. When you translate brimstone, it translates to sulfur. Mm -hmm. It was as hot as hell in Sodom on that day. Mm -hmm. Do you know that the word Sodom means to burn? Mm -hmm. If you look it up in the Hebrew, it means to burn. You know that sulfur burns at like 5,800 degrees, somewhere there, 57, 5,800 degrees? About the same as a cutting torch. Can you picture this? Raining from the sky on that day? There was nothing left unburned. Nothing left untouched. The Bible says that Abraham looked over there and saw the smoke from the city, great smoke from the city being burned up. This fell from the sky. The angel had her by the hand, though, bringing her out of the city. And she's looking back. She's looking, that's a picture of us, isn't it? It's a picture of the church today. Lot's <coughs> wife got caught up looking back. We get caught up looking back, and we fall back into where we came from. Yeah? Not sold out for Jesus all the way? How many people have you seen come into this church? I'm not even kidding you. I'm not talking about anybody, but their life begins to change. They get jobs. A lot of them get good jobs. They get their kids back. Things start happening in their favor. Things start rolling. And then they get to looking back behind them. And pretty soon, you don't see them here anymore. They fall back out to the lust of the world. Sometimes we take our relationship with God for granted. We take it for granted. I came this far. I'm good enough. I've made it. We're here. And it's great right here. That's all I got to do. That's all I was created for. Come in, set the little blue, blue seats. I even pay my tithes. I'm here on Sunday and Wednesday. What more could you want from me? We forget how vital it is to us. So this relationship with God, we, we become comfortable and let it slide. 
Our relationship with God I'm talking about. In a natural relationship, if it's taken for granted, if, it's, if a natural relationship is taken for granted, we can do things that harm that relationship or jeopardize that relationship, right? We, we've all seen that happen. It's easy, it's easy to understand natural relationships when we can see them. Sometimes supernatural relationships or spiritual relationships are harder to see. So if we compare the two, we can see how they work, right? So we can do things to jeopardize them or harm them if we, if we, if we take them for granted. So in 2 Peter, it says, through the lust of the world. Through the lust of the world, we turn from God. In 2 Peter, I think it's 2, 1 through 9, it talks about that, though. So things look better over there than it over here. Can you picture? Because Lot had this, he had a high caliber job in there. In the city of Sodom, did not because he was beaten at the gates. He was hanging out with the uppity up kind of people. He was hanging out with the politicians, rubbing shoulders with the big guys. That's why he might have been reserved to leave, right? That's why his wife may have been looking back. Are you following me? So, through the lust of the world, we look back. Through things look better over there than they are over here. It's deception. It's deception, just like Satan did with Eve in the Garden of Eden, right? When the serpent first came to Eve, she was quoting scripture. She said she she told God what or she told Satan what God had said. Repeated God's word back to him. That's scripture, right? When it's God's word, it's scripture. Yeah. She was quoting scripture, but when Satan said, Surely you shall not die, she took a second look at it. She thought about it again. She reconsidered it. Mm-hmm. And then she ate of the tree. That's what happens when we look back. Brenda and I, here's another example. Brenda and I have a close relationship, right? If she comes to me with something. She, if she needs something or something done, she has confidence that if she comes to me, I'll do it. That makes sense, right? We have a close relationship. If she goes to a stranger, though, and she needs something done, she doesn't have that much confidence in it. You see that right there? When we don't have a close relationship, it affects our faith. That's brilliant right there. When we don't have a close relationship, it affects our faith. Are you following me? That's why people are always calling on the church to call on the preacher. Pray for me, pray for me, pray for me. Because their relationship's not where it's supposed to be at. Their faith's not where it's supposed to be at because the relationship's not where it's supposed to be at. How do you learn to trust in someone if you don't know who they are? <laughs> when I first met my wife, I didn't know her from Adam. Are you following me? And we were going to go on this date. I didn't know if she'd show up or not. She didn't know if I'd show up or not. Don't know each other. But over a period of time when that person does what they say they're going to do every time. Every time, in and out, in and out, in and out. Every time, every time, every time they do, do what they say they're going to do. Pretty soon you become to just know. When they say it, it's done. When God says it, it's done. But you got to have that relationship with him to be able to believe in that. If not, it's going to affect your faith. Abraham prayed, and the angels took his family by the hand that night. That night. We can't afford to take for granted that we have time. Young people, you hear me? Chris, you hear me? We can't afford to t- we can't afford to take that we have time for granted. That's right. You can't afford to do that. I know that you're 15, 16 years old. I don't care. We could be putting you in a box. I'm not trying to speak to anybody, but that could happen. Jesus could step on that cloud. Absolutely. Doesn't matter your age. Death is no respect for persons. No. None. We can't take afford to take that for granted. We have to keep living and seeking after, or we keep living and seeking after the world because we do take that for granted. The church does. We get so busy seeking after hobbies and after jobs and after promotions and after people and whatever it is, we forget to seek after the kingdom of God. Are you following me? Am I boring you all day? No. I only got four more pages of notes and we'll get out of here, okay? <laughs> not really. Halfway. Not really. Not really. We're getting close. And I started earlier today. How do you like that? I want to see my sister here, though. Yeah. My sister, I'd love to see her here. Yeah. 
she's not a bad person. But I'd like to see her here living for God, and, and I'm not, I don't know what she's doing in her house. I'm not saying she's not living for God, but I'd like to see her here living for God and, and, and winning souls beside me. We all have loved ones that we'd like to see in church, right? Absolutely. But I spend my time, though. I spend more time with everything else, though, than getting after my sister. You all do it, too, right? Yeah. If not, we see the church filled up. I spend more time with everything else, though, than, than, than praying for her, than fasting for her, than, than, than talking to her and trying to minister to her. I spend more time with my job and my family and, and whatever else it may be, hobbies, guns, cars. You all know what I like. I spend more time on all those things. We're living in the last days, though. We are. Look at Lot. Mm -hmm. He had that night, that one night. He told his son-in-laws, and they thought it was a joke. Mm -hmm. He hadn't been living right. If you knew that Jesus was coming back tomorrow, mm. would the people who know you well, would they believe you? Think about that. The world thinks we're a joke because we say one thing, but we do another. We say things, but we don't follow through with them. Too many end up looking back of the church I'm talking about. Too many of the church end up looking back instead of, instead of forward at the Father's business. We're looking back at the lust of the world. I want to tell you about a lady I met Friday night. She was a Christian, and she, you could tell she was a Christian immediately when you met her. Before she told you she was a Christian, she worked at McDonald's. She didn't have a great job. We met her in the drive through Me and Brenda went on a date Friday night, and we went through McDonald's to get a tea on the way home. We cheated on her diet. <laughs> got a sweet tea, and she got a dark pepper. We already ate Kobe, so it didn't matter. We, were, we came to the drive through and this lady was just so happy to be there, even through the speaker of the drive through and, and I was like, she just stuck out at us. Immediately when she started talking, she just jumped out. You know, she had just this, this, this personality, and she had true joy. You could tell that she had joy. It wasn't fake. She was, she was a real person, and she had joy. And we pulled up the window, and I said, are you always like this? And she said, yes, I am. God is good. And she started, telling, she started professing God and telling us why she had that joy. And I already had figured that's why she had the joy, because you don't see many people like that. Church, not many of us look like that. But she was, a, she was a young lady. She went to the Baptist church, and she was looking to move. And we sat there and talked to her for a while at the drive-up window. Huh? I said, you asked, of course. She was getting ready to get a, she was getting ready to get a new place to live, and, and she had things going on in her life. But, but God had been good to her, and she was happy about it. The Bible says the ones who much is done for have the most to be thankful for. Yes, I don't know about you, but I have a lot to be thankful for. I'm not near perfect. I should be showing that joy and that zeal off to the world all the time. Where do I have time to be grumpy at? I don't have time. Time's not on our side, church. It's not on our side. This is for real. This is not a game we're playing here. Do you understand that this salvation I'm talking about, this eternity that I'm talking about, it's more real than the time that we're living in right now? It's more real than the car you're going to drive home in today? And our loved ones are sitting out there Waiting. Some of them have no idea how close they are to destruction. How close they are to being in the burning sulfur. Don't have a clue. And we're so busy with everything else. So tied up with everything else that we think is more important. What if it were tonight? What if it were tonight? It's serious. Think about that. Can I get a red bow? Daddy, we thank you for this day, Lord. I thank you for this group of people, Lord. I 